Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, dissect and deliberate over a particular movie that we've pretty much just chosen at random. This month we have chosen Prince of Darkness for October, the Halloween Horror Month. I'm your host Graham Davidson and with me as always is Brian Lomax. So Brian, this is a first time watch for you so I take it you don't have much history but have you stumbled across it at any time? through your movie watching life not at all not at all my first hearing about this film the, the first time i even knew of its existence i believe was when you started talking about it not last month but um i, I think when we did the john carpenter the previous john carpenter podcast mm-hmm. uh, we did did the thing uh, i think it was around that time i, I think we talked about it um just before recording or whatever and you mentioned it and I was like Prince of Darkness never heard of it so yeah um, uh, this this is apparently a part of like an unofficial trilogy from Carpenter called the Apocalypse Trilogy mm-hmm. which you know I, I, I'd seen the thing or most of the thing um, I, and, and I'd seen In the Mouth of Madness I, re- I distinctly remember that cinema trip Um but no, Prince of Darkness, hadn't heard anything about it, and you, you kept bringing it up now and again. So, yeah, when, when I had a sneaking suspicion that's what it was dur- during your picks last month, I thought, hell, why not go for it? I've seen all the others, why not go for this one? Yeah, this is one I've seen a fair bit, to, to be fair, and it's one of these uh, Carpenter ones that, that wasn't really heard of, but it started to get a resurgence in the past couple of years, Um I I like it particularly um, quite a lot because I think it's it's a bit different from most of his stuff. It's very similar in some aspects, but it's it's, it's quite different in other aspects as well. And I think a lot of people are put off because of the really crappy poster. Have you seen the poster for this thing, Brian? (laughs) I have. It kind of reminds me of... um those horrible 80s Stephen King adaptations that you'd get. Mm. Yeah. It, it kind Sleep of looks walkers. like one of them. <laughs> yes, yes. Sleepwalkers is, is exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah. yeah, terrible. So, I mean, I, I really wanted to pick on this one because you've you've got a habit of bringing up a lot of like, um, religious motifs that you notice throughout the movies, and, and this one has <laughs> a, a fair discussion, I would say, between religion and uh, belief, I would say, I think. Yeah, but we'll get to it anyway. Yeah. So do you have a short synopsis for us on this one, Brian? I do. Not written by myself, but written by one Derek O'Kane on IMDb. I figured, you know, for, for in future, give me a better job. I'm just going to crib the best uh, write-ups that people have done on IMDb. So here we go. Derek O'Kane says... Of Prince of Darkness. A sinister secret has been kept in the basement of an abandoned Los Angeles church for many years. With the death of a priest belonging to a mysterious sect, another priest opens the door to the basement and discovers a vat containing a green liquid. The priest contacts a group of physics graduate students to investigate it. Unfortunately, they discover that the liquid contains the essence of Satan himself, and they also discover that he will release his father, an all-powerful anti-god. The liquid later comes to life itself, turning some of the students into zombies as the devil comes forward to release his father. 
Will these students be able to stop this Prince of Darkness? I changed the ending there just so that we could get the title in because I know how you like I it when I do I do, that, I so. love it so much, Ryan. It's my, it's my best part of the synopsis. Um, yeah, now, the last time we spoke, I, I hinted at the fact that this has got one of the longest opening credit runs I've ever seen in any movie. And I clocked it this time, so it's 10 minutes, 45 seconds from the movie starts to it says directed by. <laughs> but I think it's, it's a very packed opening but it's given you lots of information not a lot of uh, talking parts but it does give you a lot of information it, it flits between the sort of two stories it's got the, the physics students and their teacher and it has John Pleasance as this priest who discovers this hidden secret what did you think of the opening of the movie? Um, yeah I'll, I'll tell you the truth, I, I thought the guy who came off as a real pervert, and I've got to say that moustache was not helping matters. <laughs> so we see, we see this guy who we kind of learn fairly early on that this is our protagonist, if you want to call him that. I mean, it's, it's one of those movies that it kind of shares some similarities to The Thing in the sense that it gets a small group of diverse people together traps them in a location and they have to deal with with some kind of monster this this definitely feels to me like a john carpenter film if you if you watched this straight after the thing i think you could see some similarities uh, i i think this is no way near as good um but yeah John Carpenter's kind of style is definitely there off the bat. Although the way this is shot reminds me a bit more of They Live rather than The Thing. Um, I think it's the, the the city setting where it is. But, uh, I mean, that that church, for a start, reminds me of the one that they are hiding out in in They Live. But, mm. yeah, um, so, you know, I, I think... I'm intrigued by the stuff that's going on in the church and I'm kind of wondering how it relates to this pervert who keeps on spying on this, this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> There's no other way to say it. I did allude to the, the, the moustache last time and I think pretty much um, this is one of the most blandest leads I think I've ever seen in any movie ever. I, I've seen this movie countless times. I have no idea what this guy's name is. Um, I, I just call him Man. <laughs> man is his name. He just, yeah. just kind of appears and he seems devoid of like emotion. <laughs> and it, if if he was a character in the X Files, he'd be referred to as the Mustachioed Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's his one feature that kind of stands mm. out. So you have said Donald Pleasance. He's the only kind of say, aspect of the church that we see, and then we have all these physics grad students. Um, a couple of whom are, are, are holdovers from Big Trouble in Little China, if you, if you notice that, Brian. Um, the mm, Professor yeah. Briark and uh, the city younger guy, Walter, I think it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I find the opening really, really quite brisk. For for one that has this drawn-out, and I've no idea why it has this drawn-out credits, I find it's got lots of curious images. It's got, you know, the priest dying, holding onto that box. It's got the ants starting to just swarm uh, above the land it's got all these physics students just discussing physics and then it's got goes back to like the priest who doesn't really get a line until almost 10 minutes into the movie he's doing all these things he's visiting various places he's visiting the church he's going to uh, see the archdiocese i think to discuss things or or whatever it is um 
I quite like the opening this time round, but one of the things I, I want to get to, I want to ask you about it, what did you think about the religious aspect of the movie? That The fact that it's got all these scientists in a church who are looking for reasons and why things are happening, and you just have this priest who's just all about it, belief. What did you think of this? Or did you not see anything at all? Well... <laughs> Oh man, I've been watching certain films this week and it was probably off the back of watching this to be honest uh, and, and we'll get to those when when we get to our uh, well other sections within the podcast mm-hmm. but <sighs> I, <laughs> this, oh man, it's just it, Pull me into these things, and I don't want to get into a big religious discussion because that's not what we're here. We're not here to discuss my faith. We're here to discuss the film. But as a believer, it's very hard to come to a film like this without approaching it in in, in terms of faith. Mm-hmm. And the, the theology of this film—it's <laughs> com- well, it's complete bollocks, basically. <laughs> it's just. It's like it's very hard for me to get my head around. Like The Exorcist is a film I I don't necessarily like. I don't want to watch it. But I can understand someone who has faith getting something from it. You know, I it, that stuff happens, you know, people at least it's been recorded, you know, people being uh, possessed. Other people might want to fob it off as, you know, somebody just being a complete whack job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But either way you cut it, there's certain evidence there, certain patterns of behaviour there that make a case for exorcism. Um, and you don't need any more kind of bibble, biblical interpretation other than the few stories we get in the Bible of of exorcisms, you know? Um, whereas here, there's there's kind of so much in it that goes against what, what I read from a biblical standpoint that it just it just for me makes the film a load of bunkum now <laughs> if, if you can if you can push that to one side um and and just take this as as a story as as a fairy tale you know try and separate it from what we know and by we I mean people of faith mm-hmm. what we know from uh from our biblical interpretation the same way I did with Noah, Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Like, if I go to that film and I'm looking for a, a you know, biblical interpretation, uh, as in faithful, as in theologically sound, then it all falls apart. You know, it, there's, there's stuff in there that that he's added that it just completely changes the character of God, completely changes the character of Noah um, and, and his sons in in that film to what they actually are in the Bible, certainly how I would read them. So, like I say, as a faith film, it falls apart. Mm -hmm. But if I push that to one side and I say, okay, let's not look at this film, Noah, as as a biblical piece, but as a fairy tale, as an alternative version, a parallel universe, so to speak, of of what God might be like, what, what... the war between heaven and hell might be like, then I can kind of come to a place where 
where I switch my theology brain off and just get into the themes of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with, with, with that in mind, at its, at its basic level, this film really is about, as you say, belief versus knowledge. So any any belief any faith and you know as as a believer myself this is something i have to accept i i i cannot prove without doubt that the things i believe in are true i i you know i i feel it and i would tell you that i know them to be true but just because i know them to be true it doesn't mean that i can make you know them to be true mm-hmm. um and I, and i feel like this film is is about that it's about those people who who have that faith who 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 can act on it who believe in it versus those who 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 can only trust in science um though you know I've always been of the mind that the two kind of go hand in hand that they can work together uh you know most people try and separate them faith versus science mm-hmm. but somewhere in the middle there there is there is a line where the two meet and i think that's what this film is is kind of bring trying to bring together although the emphasis is more on belief yeah. um because it's it, it, it's more that you know what all our scientific minds doesn't mean diddly squat here because it doesn't explain what's going on um yet when we look at the the faith aspect that explains what's going on. We either accept that or we die. Mm-hmm. And and they all die anyway, yeah. even when they accept it. But um yeah, that's kinda what I'm getting from the film. But if you, like I say, if you're coming to this for uh some insight <laughs> as to what the Bible tells us about the devil and and the forces of evil, then I think you're going to be misled. Well, I mean I, I definitely believe that the movie's about belief because you have this core group of scientists who are all about knowledge, they're all about information, even when they're in this place of worship, as they're going through these uh, holy books that have been there for centuries and been rewritten and they've got various information they're getting from it they're not taking any of the warning signs that are quite there, they're looking for literal facts and figures and if they happen to open their eyes a little bit more than what they did and they happen to be a little bit more insightful and not just in look for facts and figures they could have gotten themselves out of this situation before it got to where it was going to um, be everybody dying so I, I feel very much so that uh, and this is for me a person who doesn't really have much religious belief either way that these people should have been opening themselves to a little bit more signs and they could have saved themselves much earlier how do you like that Brian? <laughs> I know it seems a little bit strange um, no no no, I I agree with that. I I agree. That's what the film is is trying to do. Um, I I think that's definitely there. It's just for me, as I say, as soon as somebody uses the Bible, or as soon as a film uses the Bible as its kind of primary source for like a jumping off point to tell a story, it, it becomes dangerous ground mm. because in in. T- in clearly telling a fairy tale, uh, you know, clearly telling something that actually isn't in the Bible but becomes an extension of your understanding of the Bible, mm-hmm. by extension, you make the Bible itself out to be a fairy tale. And I'm sure many people who, who might listen to this might say, well, it is a fairy tale. Well, fine, that, if, you, if, that's, if that's what you want to believe, that's what you can believe. But to many people, it isn't. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's... 
that's dangerous ground. Yeah, it, it just feels to me like you, you, you take a belief... When you make a film like this, you take a belief system of, quite frankly, millions of people around the world and and, and you turn it into something that, yeah, could could be very easily dismissed as a result. OK, so, so let's look at the, the core group of characters. And I've got to say, like... Um, one thing that Carpenter usually does in his movies is he usually has such interesting characters or, or actors portraying these characters, but I feel that this is one of the, the sort of blandest casts that he has. You know, the, the, the main woman and man, like I said, I just take the guy as a cipher. He's just, he's just man, um, and yeah. she's not much better, to be fair. I'd say the only people in the cast that have any kind of charisma or major screen presence are Professor Briarch um, and... Donald Pleasance, who is one of these actors that just brings something to every role that he's in. It may not be great, but he, these two people are the only people in the movie, I feel, that have any kind of city screen presence, and I feel that that brings the movie down just ever so slightly. What do you think about the cast, Brian? I, I'd agree, um, particularly with those two leads, the, the man and the woman who get together. You know, they, they do this kind of thing where they bring them together at the beginning of the film, they show us this burgeoning relationship, and I think that's supposed to make us somehow root for them in particular, mm. those, two, those two characters, as, as we go through this journey. Um, but I, I kind of find the more periphery characters to be a bit more interesting. Like You've got that one guy, the Asian guy, who just keeps on winding people up. Yeah. Like there's that one moment when he, when he looks at the woman who... Is Asian? I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure <laughs> yeah. what the joke was there because he he says, you know, you you almost look Asian, and I'm kind of like I'm sat there thinking she is Asian, isn't she? Am I am I getting that wrong? I, I but, think uh, either way is yeah. an insult. <laughs> yeah, either way it's an insult. So it just it kind of sums up the douchebaggery of this guy pretty perfectly, um, and then. Yeah, there's there's a few other bits with the techie guys. Like th this is one of those films where I did not pick up on anybody's names. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who any of these characters are called at all. So I, I can tell you there's there was the fat slubby guy. I can tell you there was the kind of boss man of the techies who was wearing a suit. Um, and I can tell you there was that other techie guy. <laughs> it's just it's that that's all it was. You, you know, it's this there aren't really they're not memorable in that sense no. of the word word. Like I say, that for me the most memorable one was that guy because he was the typical kind of douchebag that you get in any film like this. The one that you're kinda of hoping's gonna die. Although in this I kinda of hoped he he wouldn't mm -hmm. because for the most part he did bring some entertainment value. Um now Donald Pleasance over the course of this year, and it comes mainly from, from having to review all of those Halloween movies over on my channel, he, he became an annoyance to me throughout the Halloween movies. In, in that first Halloween film, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And in the second one, he kind of just rehashed what he did in the second film. And while it was still entertaining, it was kind of like, actually, if you look at that film... You're not really needed, um, in all honesty. And then, you know, by the time we get to four, five, and six, it, it really felt like they were flogging a dead horse. Uh, but he kind of just brings that same Donald Pleasancy, long-winded speeches shtick. 
here that he had in Halloween. You know, in, in Halloween, he he's the guy they bring in because when he's talking about this man, this Michael Myers, that there's there's just some kind of weird psychosis going on in behind Donald Pleasance's eyes and the, and the cadence of his voice that kind of pulls us in. You know, like he he can sometimes come across as maybe almost in, as insane as Michael Myers, and I think. You know, Carpenter has spotted that. He 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 noticed it, and it was basically an easy choice to to fill this role because that's what this character is. This character essentially is Doctor Loomis. Mm-hmm. Only instead of talking about Michael Myers, he's talking about the devil uh, himself. You know, so it's it's not a huge leap to say, hey, let's pull Doctor Loomis in and stick him in this role. Because um, he gives those same kind of speeches, uh, only here, I, 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 I wasn't warming to them as much. But that's not because of the film, not because of the way it was written, but more because, oh, there's Donald Pleasance doing his shtick. Um, so maybe it would have been a benefit to cast someone else, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um. I think one of my favourite things about the movie is the tone it creates right from the start um, through that big long credit sequence like I said it's, there's almost like a heartbeat uh, percussion sound going all the way through it and it, it's one of Carpenter's better scores in my opinion I think it really builds the tension the foreboding the sort of apocalyptic feeling that the movie has it's not a happy ending movie it's, it's not a, a pleasant movie almost everybody dies and there's a as a, a sort of cataclysmic event at the end uh, that's kind of showing is going to happen what mm. did you think about the soundtrack yourself Brian? Yeah I, I, in that regard I think the film is is a really great success and I don't just mean the soundtrack but I mean the way the film builds tension mm. I think that there are some genuine moments where you're kind of clinging onto that juicy I remember th- there's one particular moment where the guy jumps out of the window mm. And I think he's doing it to test what's going to happen with these crowds, because these crowds of people basically surround this church yeah. where, where they're holed up, and that's why they can't get out. These are you know, disciples of, of Satan. And, yeah, so this guy jumps down, and then they all just start moving towards him, and I'm like, get up, get up, get up. And they, they literally come this close to grabbing his foot. And in that moment, I was quite tense. But there's many moments throughout the film like that where I do think... It is a bit of a slow build, you know. It it takes takes a good half hour or so before that stuff really starts to kick up. But all the seeds are planted within that half hour. So then, when we get to that last stretch, that last kind of hour long stretch, all Carpenter has to do is just keep ramping it up. So, yeah, more and more people die, and then come back, and then die again, and it, and it's just yeah, it's all yeah. I I I do like all that kind of carnage towards the end. I do feel tense the way you should, and I think the soundtrack definitely works its magic in that regard. I do think there's a lot of good, unnerving imagery in it as well that's paired with the score to create that that tension. Like The the scenes of bugs that they perpetrate, you know, Mm. at the start they're just at an anthill and then they're on the TV and then they're in the guy and around the guy and it's just these... Mm. The the sound, particularly, is all squelchy as well through this... City scenes, and then we have, like you said, the homeless people who just stand there, but they just look freaky because they're so still. Um, mm. and, and 
other weird images later on, like we have that one guy that cuts his own throat and then continues yeah. to like giggle the rest of the way through the movie and he's a big guy and it just that giggles horrifying. But it, it's got yeah. all these kind of, it just all adds to the tension in the atmosphere, which I think the movie does particularly well. If it had a better cast, I think it would have been better, just in general. Um what do you, what do you make of the ending of this movie, Brian? Um, I saw it coming. I've got to say, um, but but I kind of wish they didn't. Uh, again, this you know it comes. <laughs> it, it it comes from my belief, you know. It comes from my my faith. It's, you you can't let the devil win. Is is the simple fact of the matter? If you, if you're going to try and do some kind of you know, biblical film. If you're gonna, if you if you're gonna actually quote the Bible, then you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, the Bible tells us this is gonna happen, and then it happens. But there's an addendum. No, you know, it's like if if you're gonna say God's word exists, then you know, and and, it, and it's true, then then God's word also has to be the final word. So, the de- in other words, the devil can't win. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> again, push that to one side. Think of this as a fairy tale, alternative universe, that kind of thing. And yeah, there's there's a certain kind of chill that is sent down the spine because of that ending. Um, and, and I like, I do have to say, I like the footage. They, you know, they do this footage that comes from the future, yeah. and it's it looks like it's been done on a video cassette that's well worn. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of creepy, just the, the way you can't quite make out the figure, mm-hmm. but you but you know who it is. You know you've got enough information there to piece together who it is, and it's just it's almost like a shadow of their former self, and it's just yeah, it is creepy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them that. And then when the tension starts to ramp up, and you've got all the kind of zombified techie workers uh, killing each other, and it gets to this final set piece where the girl with the really horrible skin, which is a great effect, it looks disgusting, is uh, reaching into the mirror. I mean, I, I was like, I mean, I'm like, what the hell are they going to pull out of this mirror? You kind of see the cloven hoof, the red skin, and you're just like, my God, what's coming here? What mm. did you think of that final set piece, Brian, with the whole pulling uh, the devil out of the mirror type of thing? I, I, I liked it as a visual. Yeah. From from a visual standpoint, it, it it was it was really cool. It kind of reminded me of a couple of films, to be honest. It re- reminded me one of Legend, yeah. <laughs> the Ridley Scott film, um, and two, it reminded me of Hellraiser. It's it's like you know you think of the the Cenobites yeah. and that. I mean, I don't know, I don't know which came first. I don't know what year this was. Eighty seven. This is eighty seven. Yeah. So Hellraiser was first, wasn't it? I think he'd. It- no? Hellraiser may have been 86. I think Hellraiser 2 was 88. Right, OK. Well, there the, the definitely feels like there was um, a certain kind of vibe going on around horror at this time. Because, you know, you also think about A Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. and some of the body horror stuff they were doing. You think about David Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, you know, there's, there's a definite that kind of vibe about it towards the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting. Maybe about Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper and his his band of uh, homeless people that are just there to, to murder. 
Yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed to be honest because <laughs> <laughs> you told me last episode that Alice Cooper was in it, and I was like, all right, that'll be interesting. Let's see where this goes. But he's, yeah, he he doesn't do much really, does he? Yeah. He shows up, mopes around a bit, stabs someone, and that's that's kind of mm-hmm. that's it really. But yeah, yeah, I hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that scene um, in the car park with the guy gets murdered, and then he starts calling. And all his colleagues, and it's a kind of gargled noise, and the bugs are all close. Mm. His head just falls off at the end. It's yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't look spectacularly great, but again, it just looks weird and has that kind of strangeness mm. about it that the, the movie the movie carries yeah. for me. Um, I mean, I've got you've got to say there's there's nothing really there's nothing really like a carpenter movie, is there? You know, it, it, <laughs> for, for better or worse, it, there's it, nothing it, really it, like it. Definitely his own thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, Brian, anything else you want to discuss about this movie? Uh, there isn't really. I mean, like, it, it was a good film. Like I say, it's, for, for someone like me, for obvious reasons, it's problematic. Mm. But I think if you come to this film without those concerns, shall we say, I think that if you've not seen this and you're a fan of John Carpenter's early work, if you're a fan of Halloween and The Thing, you know, they, they tend to be the two people pick out, you know, you know, they say, oh, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, I love Halloween, I love The Thing, and then you say, well, have you seen In the Mouth of Madness? Have you seen Prince of Darkness? Have you seen They Live? And, and they're like, no, no, no. And it's like, oh, really? So, yeah, I think this would definitely... You know, if you like those two films and you don't have the concerns I have from a faith perspective, I think you'll really love this. I do. I genuinely think you'll, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get a lot out of it as a, as a fan of horror and as a fan of John Carpenter, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Carpenter. I like this movie. It's one that grew on me over a, a few watches. I, I tend to like it a little bit more every time I watch it. It's one of those movies that I can look at and go, like, you know what, it has faults. It does have its faults, but... The atmosphere and the tone tend to pick up for me. Now, you mentioned before that it's part of the Apocalypse trilogy, you know, mm. with The Thing and In the Mouth of Madness. Um, all movies, I think they're kind of loosely tied together because they're very nihilistic. At the end of it, uh, humanity's kind of doomed. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word, it is. Um, I take it you've seen In the Mouth of Madness, Brian? I have, yeah. I saw, saw, that, saw that at the cinema. Yeah. Um, it's just... Yeah, I I remember a few bits in that that creeped me out, yeah. but I I don't remember thinking of it as a particularly great film. I think it's probably Carpenter's last great one. Um, I think it's pretty good. It's definitely worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it in a while. Some freaky imagery in that as well. Yeah, um, I remember the boy on the bicycle. Yes. and he's got the the card wrapping against the tire and then he, he just his wacky hair and he turns around and looks pretty freaky i remember that creeping me out when i was in the cinema oh, so that's the last time you've seen it was it Brian? it was yeah and i think that was it was that 96 or something like that 98 well I, I saw that in the cinema so i i, I don't i mean is that an 18 or a 15 i think it was a 15 Right, okay, good. Because if, if it was an 18, there was no way I was getting in at, at 14, so... Yeah, 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 it, was, it was definitely 94. Um, right, okay. As, as a three-piece of uh, uh, movies, a trilogy put together, I mean, it's one depressing... <laughs> depressing <laughs> run of movies, isn't it? 
pretty much. I mean, you can mm. pretty much what you taught yourself after mainlining the three of these. Um, are, you, are we ready to give our, our wrap up of this? Yeah, go on. Um, you know, I've I've seen Prince of Darkness a lot. Like I said just previously, there, it's not a movie that's perfect. It has its faults with an extremely bland cast, um, which I think really brings the movie down. I like the same message behind it about belief that we discussed. I think the imagery is fantastic. And like I said, I think it's one of Carpenter's better scores. I think it's really, really foreboding. And it really has this percussive, almost heartbeat-like feel to it that that rises as the movie gets more tense. Um, I think some shots are a little overlit. And I do think that a better cast could have elevated this a lot. And it's probably down to the fact that I'm such a huge Carpenter fan that I've watched this a lot, so it's grown on me. But I gave it four out of five. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean... I I think if I didn't have my faith bugbears, I would probably be on the same page as you. So, you know, t- take take what I say with a pinch of salt. But I, I can't separate that side of myself from when I'm, you know... Yeah... I think I think you bring whatever worldview you have to to art, and this is art. Um, and I bring that particular worldview. I I do think it has a lot of thrills in it, a lot of kind of creepy moments. I think it has the the creep out factor of the thing, mm. but the visual style, say, of they live, um, and yeah, a, a bunch of characters that like we said, are pretty forgettable. It, it's interesting. I, I don't think I've sold it particularly well, but I do, like I say, I do think if you like Halloween, if you like The Thing, if you would call your, yourself a John Carpenter fan because of those two films, then I think this is definitely worth checking out. Um, I'd give it a... Three out of five. <laughs> That's still a pass mark. Uh, I'd be curious to see in a couple mm. of years if you rewatched it again what you, what you thought. And um, just for people listening that haven't seen Prince of Darkness, the, the synopsis that Brian gave at the start was very, um, very true and very to the point, but it makes it sound like a muddled mess. <laughs> you know, the green goo, which we didn't really mention and things like that. But like we said, mm. if you like the movies from the 80s, horror movies, check it out. So, Brian. Uh, mm. We'll move on to my, my new segment that I did in the double feature thing. Did yep. you pick a movie that you would double bill with this? I did. I picked one at the start of this week and then I watched a particular franchise and changed my pick. And the 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 one I went with at the start was was Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Um which I have actually yet to see. I've not seen in its entirety. Right. I saw about ten minutes of it when I was a kid and I absolutely crap myself so i just yeah i I never went back to it um but this week i've been watching the omen Mm. movies uh and as i was watching that first omen film i was like man this yeah this is prince of darkness this is is double bill with prince of darkness or more 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 to the point prince of darkness is this because it's essentially the same story you know the only in in the omen, the devil is unleashing his son upon the world, whereas in yeah. Prince of Darkness, uh, the, the, the devil is unleashing his father on the world, although I don't quite get that, because surely 
surely he was created by God, so that would make God his father. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't get, I don't really get that story in in Prince of Darkness. It's a, just another little bugbear of mine. But in the Omen, it, it, the theology behind it again, I have issues with, but I think it works itself out a lot better than the theology in this film. You know, it's it's more palatable to someone like me to go along with what they go along with in The Omen. Um, however, by the time you get to The Omen 2, and particularly The Omen 3, that all goes out the window and it disappears up its own ass, basically. But, yeah, for, for a good double bill, sit down, watch The Omen, and then watch this. Right, I, I thought quite a bit about a double feature with this and initially like yourself I had one movie picked and it was going to be The Exorcist for obviously obvious reasons you know but then mm. um, over the course of thinking about this and our discussion I've decided to change it so and it's a bit of a wacky change Brian but bear with me <laughs> because this movie is an apocalyptic movie it's a movie about belief mm. it's going to kind of wear you down and you know and I don't want to label another horror another terrifying movie on top of it I want to put something a little bit lighter on. So I have chosen Labyrinth to double bow with Prince of Darkness. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a movie about somebody having power over them due to belief eh, with Jared, the Goblin Prince, and it's a little bit lighter. It leaves you on a happier note, and if you're feeling a little bit down after Prince of Darkness, the Labyrinth will pick you back up, and it's one of my favourites from the 80s as well. And again, it has a, 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 a 70s, 80s star in it with... David Bowie, much like Prince of Darkness, had Alice Cooper. Mm. I was always more of a dark crystal man myself, but hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we have it. That's, that's what I've, I've picked. And then uh, for my top five, uh, it was top five character movies, which I didn't even realise that we had done before, Brian. <laughs> um, but you kindly reminded me. So, did you go back and look at your list? I haven't no. actually. I've I've not gone back yet. Either fast, probably a good thing as well because mine's constantly changes and I hate doing a, a a list for Carpenter. I really do because I hate leaving certain movies off the list. You know, it breaks my heart sometimes, <laughs> and it depends what mood I'm in as to what makes it and what doesn't. Well, I I watched The Ward recently, so I'm I'm so I've got no qualms saying that I'm happy to leave certain films <laughs> up. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with that. One. <clears throat> yeah. Now, in in all fairness, in all fairness, I went into that film expecting an absolute turd because all the reviews said so. Yeah. But I actually thought it was a a three star film. Was, only just, I think it was the only reveal just at the end that film. really, really nailed on the coffin for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that kind of kind of ruined it. Right. So who's who's going to go first with this top five then, Brian? Well, you're the Carpenter fan, so go on, you you give us... Okay, in my number five spot, and this could have been any movie, and it was one movie that I thought, you know what, I'm leaving it off the list, I've seen it too many times, everybody's seen it a thousand times, and that is Halloween. A movie that people... Wow, you know, and number five. And, and, number fi- and I tell you, it's lucky it made it on, Brian, and it's it's simply because I've, I feel as if I've, I've tired myself of the movie. Um, I do think it's great, but I think it's... It's muddled sequels, as you attest to. <laughs> and, and it's uh, kind of, well, awkward reboots that kind of tear it all down a little bit too much for me. And, and if it was just a standalone movie, and maybe the second one, it would maybe be higher. But it's a movie that I feel, and a franchise that I feel tired and a little bit fed up with. 
and I think that it's a good character movie, but I think he's got more creative, more interesting, more movies that I would choose before this to revisit before Halloween. That being said, it is October, and I'll probably watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, my number five, and it's a film that I only saw this year uh, for the first time in its entirety, and that's They Live. Mm. Um, it's, it's a good film. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's quite the classic a lot of people make it out to be, but it, it is entertaining. It is amusing. Um, you know, there are certain scenes in it that don't quite work for me, but there are others that really do. Uh, yeah, not much more to say than that, really. I mean, it's got a, it's got a satirical edge mm. to it, and I think that's its main saving grace, really. I think it, it kind of makes it a, a much smarter film than it, than it appears on the surface mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I, I feel like it it feels like low budget yeah. it feels very much like I mean it was made after the thing wasn't yeah, 87. it 87 yeah a yeah. um, couple of years after the thing and I feel like because the thing 80, sorry. pretty much it right came after Prince, of um, Prince of Darkness right well, well there you go I mean, you know I, I talked about the I almost feel like Prince of Darkness and They Live were kind of shot side by side almost to kind of save on on funds that, that's what it feels like when you watch them like you know he was shooting They Live and then on the side he was using that church building to shoot this <laughs> um, just to save a bit of money and get two films out faster but I kind of feel like what's happened is the film that kept, that that should have come after The Thing should have had a much bigger budget because The Thing should have been a a huge success, let's face it, but it wasn't. It actually bombed at the box office, big time. And I think because of that, studios lost faith in Carpenter and he was kind of forced to take a bit more of an independent route and that shows it shows in they live and i think it also shows that you know what carpenter is a creative dude because he hasn't let the fact that he is now on a much smaller budget he is a bit more independent kind of hurt him from or or stop him from being able to make something that is still at least of substance and that's what this film is but like i say bigger budget i i think we would have got a much better film i think Carpenter would have been able to have a lot more to play with in the, in the way that he did with the yeah. thing. Uh, my number four is They Live, <laughs> um, which, <laughs> which I absolutely adore. I, th- I think it's a movie that when I watched when I was much younger, it, it gave me certain things. It gave me action. It gave me sort of cool, funny aliens looking uh, about that, that funny, weird way that they had the glasses. I like that aspect of it. As I've grew older, and as the movies grew older, I think it's become more and more uh, appropriate to my current generation. It's about uh, manipulative media, about manipulative uh, advertisements, about consumerism. It's weird, because it's a science fiction genre movie that seems to have lasted and has more to say now than what it did at its time. I think it was ahead of its time. Uh, Even its, its lead character, Nada, uh, Rowdy Piper. I mean, the guy has so much charisma, and together with Keith David, they have a great brawl in the street. You've got Meg Freaky Eyes Foster, who there's just something about that woman that's just 
You can see it. And then I love the sort of comedy aspect of it near the end when he breaks the, the, the thing and that all the aliens look the, the way they appear the way they are and they're all in these wacky circumstances whether it's uh, being intimate with women or whether they're in a news broadcast or just in a shop or whatever. I love They Live. It's one of these movies that I don't think I'm ever going to tire of watching. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's all I've got to see in the matter just now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, my number four is Starman. Uh, something very different for Carpenter. You know, you look at all of his other work, it does tend to fit into the horror slash sci fi genre. Uh, this is a sci fi film, clearly, but there aren't really, he doesn't really focus on elements of horror here. You know, there's, there's some nice special effects, but it's actually just a story. It's just a character driven piece about this man from the stars trying to trying to get back and i just i've not seen it for so long but my memories of it are, are enough are solid enough um to warrant its placing i yeah. think um I, it is one i'd like to revisit actually but i i feel like this this is carpenter's um Close Encounters of the yeah. Third Kind. Uh, I mean, I mean that's a film I I never really got on board with as much as most people. So people might find it ludicrous for me to say that actually I probably prefer this film more. I certainly remember it more um, from my childhood days. But yeah, Starman at number four. Yep. Um, Starman's a, a terrific movie. I, I did this thing a few years ago where I revisited Carpenter's filmography, starting from. His very first movie, and working away all the way through his movies, and there was two movies that I'd never seen. I'd never seen Dark Star, which was okay, um, mm. and I'd never seen Starman because it wasn't a horror. I wasn't particularly interested in it. And when I sat down and watched it, I was blown away with how good it is and how terrific Jeff Bridges is in the movie. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely a sort of drama, science fiction movie, and it is amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, it's about to get a Blu-ray uh, re- release in the next couple of months. I'll probably pick it up then and revisit it then. But, wow, what a movie. Can't argue with that on your list, Brian, at all. One of my favourite movies of uh, John Carpenter, number three, is Escape from New York. Uh, I-, I love this movie. I'll, anything um, Carpenter does with Kurt Russell is tremendous. I think Kurt Russell is fantastic. You know, from his... his as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be Kurt Russell and grow that big moustache that he can do. Um, Escape from New York is, is a terrific tale of New York being segregated from the country as a giant jail where they just throw all the riffraff and let them deal with themselves and the president crash lands in there. Snake Plissken has to go in and rescue him and comes up against all kinds of wacky characters like the Duke. Um, there's, it's got a crazy Mad Max kind of feel about it, a little bit more sci-fi than that. It's one that I remember watching a lot with my dad, and I think that kind of adds to it as well. I've watched it. Mm. It's one of these things yeah. I watch every couple of years, and every time I stick it on, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this thing's awesome. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that element feeding into it because my number three choice is Christine, and I remember watching that film, watching Christine so many times with my dad and with my brother, 
my oldest brother. Yeah, I mean, he's still a big fan of the film, and he'd, he'd watch it on repeat for quite a long time. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, I, I like the style of it. It feels very crisp, very clean. It feels like... It feels like a film in which Carpenter gets given the budget that he deserved, really. You know, I, I mean, I, don't, I still don't think it was a particularly huge-budgeted film, but I feel like more resources were at his disposal... Mm -hmm on that film and, and it shows again it's it's he's one of those guys where I think you look at his work that isn't particularly outstanding I, I, I think some of it is because of the budget because the studio hasn't backed him in the way that perhaps they should that being said you know he made one of the best independents of all time with Halloween but um well yeah Christine it's small tip bit about that um, this was the movie that Carpenter made directly after The Thing. Um, ah, right. The Thing okay. almost killed his career, and he didn't really want to do Christine. Mm. Um, he was kind of shoehorned right. into doing it, and he knew he had to get back into making movies as quickly as possible um, right. before he was pushed out of the business completely. So there you go. Yeah. It turned out to be one of his best. I, I particularly like it as well. I love the scene where the car rebuilds itself. Yes, <sighs> definitely. Wow. Yeah, very memorable, and I like I like the the main guy in it. He he really sells me on yeah, this. Artie, um, yeah, Keith Gordon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't I can't remember his yeah, name. He's but the director yeah, he now. Just oh yeah. right, okay. Well, yeah, he do, he does a good job in that film. Yeah. I think of of portraying this guy who is just slowly being taken over by this mm. car. It's almost like a possession movie. It's almost like. The, the the car is a demon and it's possessing him and taking over his soul. Mm. Yes, it's terrific. Um, my number two is Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. It is terrific. It's you've got Kurt Russell again um, as the hero who does nothing heroic, gets in the way of everybody, and yet somehow is treated as well the guy that saved the day. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, you get Kim Cattrall in the movie as well and you have uh, Walter from Princess Darkness. I can't remember the actor's name. He's in the movie. You've got the, the gods of rain and thunder and lightning in the movie. You've got mm. Lopang. You've got all this Asian mysticism. It's bonkers. It's a comedy. It's an out-and-out -out comedy which is absolutely hilarious. It's sprinkled with action and it's one of these movies that Whenever I catch it on the TV, I'm just I'm so excited. First of all, because I'm like, oh my god, it's big trouble up China. I've not seen that since the last time I watched the Blu-ray. Then I'll sit and watch it yet again. I I, I just think it's a, a terrifically fun movie with a really fun performance by Russell, um, and it's one of the, the few sort of very comedic movies that Carpenter did, and I think he did it very well. Yeah, it's been it's been, a, it's been a while since I've seen it. I do. It is another one I remember watching a lot as a as a kid. I particularly remember those gods of rain, lightning, and thunder. Uh, they were they were quite a highlight. But yeah, yeah there's yeah, a, a it, terrific Arrow Blu-ray of it. Um, remember we did the th uh, Thief, which had the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's got yeah, one of those yeah. really rich packages with all these extras and that on it. And I think they must have a sale coming up soon. So I'll give you a, a heads up next time that appears, and maybe you can pick it up at a really good price. Maybe. Um, yeah, okay, so my number two is Halloween. Uh, just 
Yeah, dis- despite all the abominable sequels to, to that <laughs> film, I just I can't let that diminish what it is that Carpenter did with it. You know, on such a meagre budget, he gave a blueprint really for many horror filmmakers to come and and what you can achieve on a really low budget you know for for independent filmmaking and yeah without it we wouldn't have friday the 13th i mean that might count as a blessing actually if if you think about it but uh but yeah you know so many franchise franchises were spawned as a result of it uh and yeah, it's just influential, really influential. You know, it's not the first slasher film, despite what some people try to make out, you know, but <clears throat> it's, it's still a damn good one. Yeah. And uh, our number one movie is The Thing, I take it, Brian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I it's, yes. it's one of these things, it's always going to be number one. We, we spent a full episode last year discussing the movie. Um, I don't think I did mm-hmm. any justice, to, to be fair. It's one of these movies that's kind of... Uh, very powerful to me is one that I, it's in my top ten movies of all time. Again, mm. it's it's these people in a barn location, some horrific, horrific uh, designs, creature designs, thanks to Rob Bottom, and Carpenter had real money here to spend, and he used it wisely. I think it's it's yeah. a shame that the movie was uh, such a, a flop on its on its big screen because I'd be interested to see where he would have went to. Uh, if he was continuing yeah. to get money after this, because I think it would have been a very interesting, very varied career. That's a shame um, that we'll never get back. But still, I'm very happy with the movies he produced, and and I think the the thing is terrific. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, there's I, nothing really else to say because, like you say, we we reviewed it last yeah. year. If you want to know our thoughts, go and check out that uh, review. Uh, let me know if I was right. Was that the first time you had watched it last year, Brian? It was, yeah. I'd seen, I'd seen many famous bits, I, and it, it was one of them movies where, again, as as a child, I remember walking in. Or, or it, it was more that my my brother was wanting to watch it with my dad, and they were happy with it being on, so it was kind of on. I wasn't really paying much attention to it, but then some really crazy stuff started happening. I started bricking it, and my mum said, <laughs> "Right." Let's turn this off, come on. And that's that's kind of it. And I never went back to it until last year, like I say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there we go, our top five John Capital. Maybe next year we'll do it again that will all change apart from number one. Um, who knows? <laughs> Maybe not. Just uh, on the subject of, you know, reviews, given that this is a review show, uh, yeah, just... Just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you like our show, if you like what we do here, please don't forget to just spend a couple of minutes just going to the iTunes page and give us a like, give us a, a rating and a review. It'll, like I say, take a couple of minutes. We'd really appreciate it. It'll help us get seen in the search engine when people are looking for this kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Here we have it. Short and simple. Um, so on to next episode, Brian. So yeah, it's uh, my choices, isn't it? This time it's around, my favorite part of the show. I so think. yes, this this has become my favorite part. Actually, um, you never know where it's going to go. But so I've I've got five very kind of 
loose synopsis because yeah. let's face it, I didn't want to give the game away too much. Um, and you've you've got to pick one, mm-hmm. pick which one you want. But uh, we'll we'll whittle it down. So the ones you we, the ones you choose first, they'll be the ones we get rid of. Um, okay. So first one is. In this town, your best chance of survival is to be a child. Second one is the only way for any of these guys to stay on top is to make sure they keep closing the deal. Next up, these bushwhackers may have begun the civil war fighting for the south, but by the time they reach the end, the only thing they'll be fighting for is family. Next, stopping the vehicle may have been the worst mistake this guy ever made. And the last one, she may look like an innocent child, but she is anything but. Hmm. <clears throat> is this where I throw out random guesses? He <laughs> usually do. Um, Glenn Gary Genros. <laughs> can't tell you. <laughs> oh. You can throw out all the guesses you want. I guess still can't tell you. Breakdown. <laughs> can't tell you. Okay, right. What was number three again? Number three was these bushwhackers may have begun the civil war fighting for the south, but by the time they reach the end, the only thing they'll be fighting for is family. Yeah, get ready that one. Okay. That is one of my favourite Ang Lee films, and it's called Ride with the Devil, and it's something of a forgotten film, I feel, and I, I yeah, I love it. It's one of the best westerns ever made, and it's probably the film on Ang Lee's CV that most people don't really pay attention to. Yep, I uh, love westerns, never heard of it. I feel oh, like missing a treat. <laughs> <laughs> right, on you go, Brian. Next. No, you know what? I okay, think number two, um, number two was the only way to stay on tops to close the deal, yeah? Yes. Yeah, get rid of that one. That was indeed Glengarry Glen Ross. Right, okay. Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole closing the deal yep. thing that is it's kind of become a famous mantra from the film. So. Coffee's for closers. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Give me the last three again, please. So, so you got number one, number four, number five. And number one is in this town, your best chance of survival is to be a child. Number four is stopping the vehicle may have been the worst mistake this guy ever made. And number five, she may look like an innocent child. But she is anything but. Okay, you, I'm quite curious about the three of these. I have no idea at all what number one is. So <laughs> that's going to pique my curiosity a little bit. I think I'm going to get rid of five. I've got a funny feeling it's something like species or something like that. Nope. She may look like an innocent child, but she is anything but is orphan. Or, right, okay. I've seen that one. It's quite a good movie. Um, mm. So I'm left with yeah. two. Um, 
the only way to survive. So it, yeah. In this town, your best chance of survival is to be a child. And stopping the vehicle may have been the worst mistake this guy ever made. See, that, that could be anything. I've got a feeling it's... Well, I, I think it may be breakdown. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, if I've got a chance of picking something with Kurt Russell... <laughs> I love watching you squirm. Yeah, I, 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 do you know what? Both of these sound good. One worries me a little bit. <laughs> um, just, just worries me a little bit. I, I think. I'm... Yeah, I'm going to get rid of one. I'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get rid of one. Oh, hang on. What have you got to say there? I was going to say number one is a film I haven't seen, and the other one is a film I have seen. So I don't know if that plays any part in your decision-making, but it, it really is up to you. Hmm. See, I'm curious about having a discussion about a movie you haven't seen, because that's always quite good. Just read them out one more time for me, Brian. Let me think. <laughs> Let me think. <laughs> OK, number one. In this town, your best chance of survival is to be a child. And stopping the vehicle may have been the worst mistake this guy ever made. I'm going to get rid of one. OK. Wait. Number one is Children of the Corn. Oh, I've seen that. Right. OK. I'm glad to get rid of it. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so it was a mistake for me to pick that up in the charity shop, was it? Uh, a charity shop by it's OK. Um, OK. It's 50p. It's Linda Hamilton, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. All right, well, that leaves us with a film that doesn't star Kurt Russell, but does star C. Thomas Howell oh, and Rutger Hauer. The Hitcher. Yeah. I can deal with that. That's that's been a long yeah. while since I've seen that. Are you, sh you sure it doesn't star what? Sean Bean? There's no film of this description <laughs> that stars Sean Bean. It doesn't exist. You know, it's I, I've seen the Hitcher. The Hitcher's one of those movies I watched a lot, but it has been mm. years, years since I watched it since before two thousand. Um, wow. Okay. So it's a long time. Overdue, so I'm, I'm quite happy to have that. A little bit disappointed. Kurt Russell's not in it. Um, <laughs> did have my hopes up there for um, a breakdown. Which, mm -hmm. ah, shame, okay. Alright, I can deal with that. So, next episode, November's episode, is going to be The Hitcher. And yeah. Top five for that episode, uh -huh. just in case you uh, were curious, is. Let me just pull it up here. Uh, yes, I decided the top five would be Jennifer Jason Lee performances. So not not films, <laughs> not not top five films that she's been in, but the top five performances. So she could have been in she could have been in a crap film, but given given a stunning performance. That's what we're looking at her performances. Okay, I'll, I'll need to put a bit of homework into that one, Brian. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, we'll go I think I will as well, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of snookered myself with that one. 
I mean, you could have went for Rudger Hauer performances, but we both would have put Blind Fury at the top, uh, yeah. so it's kind yeah. of pointless. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty slim list in it. I do like Rutger Hauer. It's got to be said, but it's it's going to be a very slim yeah. list. I think I'd, ha- I'd probably have more trouble with that than I did with a Famke Janssen one. So, yeah, yeah. It just um, just so happens I recently watched The Faculty again simply because of our Famke Janssen uh, top five episode that reminded me of it, and it holds up pretty well. All right, so, excellent. There we go. Um, so we'll see you next month on Brettsville Flicks with the Hitcher. <laughs> If you if you watch this watch this show, what we're talking about, scrap that.
<laughs> There's your cock up. Right there. Hey, at least it's not you for a change. Um, give, it, give it time. Yeah. See you next time. I'm keeping that simple. I wasn't losing it at the end of Brian. <laughs>